0: Greetings and welcome to this, episode 2 of The Conclave. The Conclave is our community invite show where fans of the Elite franchise come on and discuss burning topics around the development of the new game universe. Hosting this show we have myself, Fozza Forrester, and Lave Radio's own guru meditation, John Stabler. Hello!
1: (laughs) 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 You didn't really give
2: me much there,
3: did
0: you? Not really, mate. Apart from a hello. (laughs) Joining myself and John this evening, we have, first of all, Graham Reed.
3: Hello. My name's Graham Reads. I'm from Hertfordshire near Cambridge, but now live in the northeast of England. My full name is Graham Reads. I don't have any projects, but I wanted to write an the anthology, but I found out about it's a bit too late due to real life getting in the way.
0: Yeah, those anthology places really did go quite quickly, but not to make you jealous, but the next person I'm going to introduce is Darren Gray, one of the anthology writers. Hi, Darren.
4: Hi there, I'm Darren Gray, one of the anthology writers for Tales from the Frontier. And we have Alien. Hi, Alien.
0: Hiya.
5: My name's Alien. I live in Blackpool. My forum name's Alien. Uh, I don't have any elite projects like Graham, but I keep toying with the idea of actually writing a story.
0: Perfect. So you think you're doing some, uh, some fan fiction?
5: I'd like to do some fan fiction, but Frontier are a bit standoffish with the idea of fan fiction at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think Frontier at the moment just concentrating on uh, trying to make sure the license fiction ties up. But I'm sure the fan fiction will come a little bit later on down the line. Alongside Alien, we have someone that you might recognize from last week, uh, Grant Woolcock. Evening, Grant.
6: Good evening, Fozza. <laughs> I'm Grant Woolcock and uh, my forum username is PsychoCow. Uh, I have many projects ongoing, uh, none of which are official. Very few are related to Elite, but um, they're all in the forum anyway.
0: Excellent stuff. Just uh, out of (laughs) more coincidence than anything else, everybody that's on the call tonight is actually going to be at the official LaveCon conference that's happening on the 29th of June down in Cheltenham Spa. Tickets are still available. Uh, But we'll go straight on to the icebreaker question, which is, if you could take control of Frontier Developments for one day and guarantee a feature was put into the game universe, what would it be? And I'm going to start off with my co-host, Mr. Stabler.
2: Well, I, I, I don't know if I like the question because I don't, I'm not sure how much I'd get done in a single day. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a lot. Um,
0: okay, so John, in, in the fantasy world where Frontier Developments <laughs> lets you loose in their development for one day, in that one day, in this fantasy world, you will be able to ensure that something gets put into the game that you're desperate about. So, well, what would it a- be?
2: Well, actually, I was going to say what I'd like to is if I could like have longer or make sure I could implement one thing.
0: It's... Oh no, 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 no! We're not having the genie in a bottle. My first wish is going to be a thousand more wishes. No, no, you no, get one no. thing. No,
2: no, well, the one thing would be. Okay, to perform an experiment where we'd hire another team and they develop two games side by side, one according to feedback from DDF and one purely (laughs) based on the designers. And I'd like to see how similar or dissimilar they would be and which one would actually be the best.
0: You see, that's just a whole new topic unto itself.
2: (laughs) Well, I just, you know, I just thought it'd be cool.
0: Okay, I'm going to desperately put that to one side and try not to think about it too hard. And I'm going to move on to Graham. Graham, if you could take over Frontier Developments for one day, what would you get put into the game, sir?
3: I don't think I've got any particular feature I want, apart from it to be a good game. A bit of a cop-out, I know, but I can't really think of any one item which has to be in there for me to want to play it. There's lots of nice-to-haves, like computer-generated audio for voices. Um, and stuff which has been discussed in the forum kind of, at length, but nothing's a real deal-breaker for me.
0: Okay, well, you obviously are a designer's uh, <laughs> a best friend for this one then. Darren, what about you? Move on to you.
4: Well, I'll be a lot more definite then. I would rename Dizo to Dizo and Lav to Lav and stop all this stupid confusion over pronunciation. <laughs> 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 um, <okay. laughs> Uh, but if I <laughs> had some spare time, well, I'd maybe completely redo Diz, Dizzo as a disco and re-theme it as a whole disco-themed planet. But more seriously, maybe spend some time making some 3D nebulae in the game. There's been a recent thread on the new astronomy subform showing some animations of sort of parallax in nebulae and showing what they would look if you're kind of moving about them in 3D. And that would be... Quite awesome to have in the game flying a starship through a nebula. They are probably a bit too big to actually fly through and really see much, but still, it'd be nice to have.
0: And would you want those nebulas to actually cause any effect on the ship, or would you like sort of like special submissions in terms of exploration, maybe find some relics in the middle of the nebula, that sort of thing?
4: I'm not sure about relics, because I don't think that fits with the frontier universe that well, but perhaps sourcing rare minerals and things, which sounds less exciting, but. It's what sort I of spent a lot of time doing in Frontier, so, yeah.
0: Perfect. Okay, Alien, if you could take over for one day, what would you do?
5: I'd put in the ability to slave away for minimal wage with an employer day after day after day, just so you could have the satisfaction one day to stick it to the man.
0: So are you saying that you'd, basically, you'd want the option of working for maybe a corporation or a particular person within the game, and then just so you can turn around one day and blow their ship out of the universe, is that what you're saying?
5: Yeah, it's like when you, you slave away for a couple of years, you, build, you scrape together enough to get your Cobra Mark III, you buy your Cobra Mark III, you buy some cargo, and then you turn around to your employer and, uh, well, we know what happens next.
0: Great stuff, okay. Just leaves you then, Grant. What would you take over and do?
6: Hmm, I think ponies. No, ponies or um, personal scooters for going around in space stations so you can scoot past people. And a can? It's onesies. Onesies, of course.
2: <laughs> Sorry, are you suggesting mounts in Elite?
5: <laughs> yeah.
2: That's what it sounds like with horses and ponies and, and little scooters is you know it would be like world of warcraft where you're on the space station and everyone's got a different kind of horse
6: well when you're down on that planet surface and you're fishing i'll come galloping by magnificently in the sunset on my steed or mobility scooter whichever ones um i get a chance to do other than that being my onesie so it'll be fine
4: do onesies help with horse riding friction and things
6: I've not tried. That could be a downfall. I mean, I can imagine it could probably chafe your shoulders rather than the usual bits.
4: And I have to I, wonder, can you get a pony-sized onesie in the right shape for a pony? A pony and a onesie, can we have that?
6: You know, a, a pony and a onesie? Oh, come on, of course you could. I'm thinking about it. that's the, that's going to be the solution for ship decorations as well. There'll be uh, ship onesies, so that you can easily just zip them on. And... <laughs>
7: Oh,
0: okay. I'm going to skip over you and go straight back to Alien. Alien, have you got something to say?
5: I want to change my mind, actually. I thought of something better. When you fit a gun to your ship, I want to be able to put one of those big axe blades on the bottom of the gun, like you see in uh, Games Workshop models.
0: Right, okay. So this is all about aesthetics and dressing your ship up with uh, slight new modifications. So it basically sounds like you want to dress your ship up. Have you seen uh, Firefly? and is it the Reavers and Firefly have got their ships with lots of different sort of spikes and things coming off it? Yeah. Is that the sort of ship you'd want to fly
5: yeah
0: yeah I think that would put the fear of god up most people finally the thing that I would do if I could take over Frontier Developments for a day I think it would probably be to make sure that there is actually an orange sidewinder an Asbo sidewinder put into the game for litter picking duties for those people that actually get on the wrong side of the law and can't afford to pay their fines so yeah, I think the orange sidewinder would definitely be my uh, my point to put in there.
2: Who would have guessed, Fozzer, that your suggestion would have been the most sane out of all the ones that we've heard?
0: <laughs> right. Okay, we're going to go straight on to the uh, the first of the main topics, which is monetizing the universe and microtransactions within Elite Dangerous. So. Frontier Developments have alluded to the use of microtransactions within universe to help create a revenue stream for the company, which will in turn ensure the game continues to receive support and also help with the costs of creating further expansions. As a panel, how do you guys feel about Frontier Development using this form of commercialization? Have you any thoughts on how it should be implemented? Do you see any potential challenges in this particular method? And do you have any concerns regarding how it may or may not impact the game playing experience? Uh, we'll start off with John
2: yeah now although they've said that they're interested in this they haven't really given a lot of detail about it but it has caused a lot of yeah arguments you know a lot of people to and for the monetization there's one side where people are all for frontier you know, finding a different path to funding of the servers and things like that that avoid monthly subscriptions. And then there's a, um, a bunch of other people that are concerned about people being able to come in and buy big ships, you know, buy their way in. And to be honest, I have no problem with monetization like that in pretty much any form. I'm not much of a fan of the argument that it's not fair because really life isn't fair. Rich people are buying privilege all the time in real life and they're bound to be doing it in the future as well so i think it's it'd be more realistic if people were able to do something like that you know that you would get rich boys in a really big ship but you'd probably be able to shoot them down really easy because they've got a clue what they're doing you know, I think that is realistic. You know, and even if people are able to buy in-game currency, again, that's just the, the same thing. And, you know, to all the people who are whining about the failings of capitalism, why aren't they out there in the real world moaning about how unfair it is that, that rich people exist? So, yeah, i got no problem with that.
0: So are you suggesting, John, that this is another one of the situations where it's the old adage of all the gear but no idea?
2: Well, yeah, because, you know, if you've got the cash... Um, and I think this is how David Braben talked about it. He's talked about it in terms of catching up. You know, if people join the game and they didn't want to have to grind to borrow a term, that they could spend an extra couple of pounds and maybe upgrade their ship. He's already said that um, there's going to be certain items that people would have to rank up to get. So you are going to be protecting a lot of the higher level stuff. But I think they're just looking for a way that if if new players do come along or if somebody's quite impatient, they can kickstart themselves a bit by just giving them an extra couple of quid
0: and that money will go towards the servers. Great stuff. Grant, what about you? Yeah,
6: when I first saw that this was going to be discussed, I thought, I've missed this. I've missed this discussion completely. I didn't notice it at all. I'm not sure quite where I am. I understand the need for raising funds to... Pay the bills and keep the game alive, so I'm behind it. I don't like the idea of you, you, know, buying like t-shirts for your avatars and all these customizations because it's just it's dull. Um, something more exciting, like say, being able to actually buy a bounty on uh, Mr. Stabler, and we could all collect. <laughs> Thanks. Keep these nice big high bounties on players, you know, something along those lines that's not such a huge advantage but can add a wee bit of element of fun. Something fun to put into the game and to just, you know, put your mark in there. That's what I think anyway.
4: Okay, Darren. Well, I think that some of this cosmetic stuff is perfectly fine if you want to buy a fancy hat or, in Grant's case, maybe a really impressive golden onesie. When it becomes a point where you feel like you kind of need to pay money to get ahead, then you get into all sorts of gambling problems essentially this is a game where you can lose assets uh, as well as gain them and you can any bad thing the people feel pressurized to buy up to the next level that you know if they want to get the, the next big ship they've got to pay and there's all sorts of addiction pitfalls and things like that that i would really worry about with this when you link game mechanics with real money that's an interesting idea, John. Darren kind of said it, that um, you know this whole idea of buying a
2: hat or buying you know cosmetics or a paint job for your ship, that's the ideal way to do it, because no one's getting ahead in the game. So you, you know all those people that are against that are happy. Uh, and also it can add some variation to the game. But Grant wasn't keen on that idea. He, did you think it was cheesy? Cheesier than a onesie, Grant?
6: I, I just don't want to get charged for more onesie.
2: <laughs> I'm sure they'd give you yours for free.
6: <laughs> I just think it's it's uh a, a, okay it's, it's an easy way and I would rather see something a bit more new something sort of in the uh, the elite way um something that can maybe create events maybe that you know maybe continue along the lines of these successful um Kickstarter pledges levels and maybe allow people to create their own event for the game or be you know something along those lines something a bit more interesting than just uh, I want a pair of blue socks, and that'll cost
0: me 50p. Graham, you stay quite quiet. What's your thoughts?
3: Well, uh, my view is I don't mind as long as it's not necessary to win. I prefer to keep it outside the game, so you get t-shirts, mugs, and other paraphernalia like a bag or something. Because as soon as you start adding in-game items, then everybody will want to feel like they have to have it. So if it, especially if you start giving something other than, say, a decal to your ship. Also, the problem is there's been a lot of bad press about microtransactions recently regarding like, children have spent a small fortune without realising it on donuts in Homer Simpson games. So I'd rather not see <laughs> David Braben wheeled out in a Daily Mail as my son spent £2,000 on a virtual Cobra Mark III and have to explain himself. So I'd rather it wasn't in necessary or in-game if you see what I mean
0: yeah absolutely alien what about you
5: uh, I'm okay with it I think it'll bring in a decent income which will just go towards development of the expansions so I'm not too bothered about it myself to be honest
0: okay well I think this sort of has two folds. Obviously, the idea that, uh, I think it was in the Reddit that David said that you know it might be possible to upgrade modules and stuff by you know, using microtransactions, which does lead on to the whole question of whether or not it gives those people that can pay an unfair advantage against those people that are you know, happy to sort of grind away. But I'm trying to think about where I've seen these sort of things before. And obviously, I was played EVE Online quite a lot. And EVE Online brought a, a vanity microtransactions idea in where you could sort of buy Uh, monocles and boots and different outfits for your character Uh, and they got it completely wrong because the way that they they did it they basically priced everybody out of the actual uh, shop when it first came on it costed you something stupid like four really expensive ships just to buy your avatar and monocle so I think if any way that frontier developments are planning to implement this they need to try and get that balance right and also what what was said before about being a little bit sort of from a gambling point of view you know, I can allude to that in terms of the games I play on the iPad I suffer really badly from having no patience with and always trying to buy myself more coins or buying myself new cards just purely because I haven't got the patience for that type of game to actually sort of grind my way through it. I'd hope with a game like Elite Dangerous that wouldn't be a problem because obviously you're, you know, you're sitting there, you're trying to immerse yourself in the universe, you want to be in it for you know, the long haul, so anything in terms of microtransactions that have to do with vanity items, I don't really have a problem with, because let's be honest, we all want this game to get more money and continue growing. Um, but anything that gives you a slightly unfair advantage for those people that are just grinding with, I think they need to be very, very careful with. Darren?
4: yeah, you know, the big thing for me is, Grant talked earlier about the elite way. Is it right that you can pay to make it easier to become elite? That for me is like a, a very serious thing. Becoming elite should be down to your skill as a player. Not how much money you've got in your pocket.
0: Yeah, and I think that was certainly one of the things that David said that there are going to be certain things within the game that cannot be bought. And I think you know, the Elite Pilots Federation ranking and stuff is going to be one of those things where, yeah, it's literally just your actions within the game, such as completing missions and that sort of thing, that go towards your ranking. John. Yeah,
2: no, I just wanted to go back to. Well, first of all, you know, this whole thing about, you know, if people are going to be put in in a position where they're almost like addicted and they're going to end up spending stupid amounts of money a lot of these android games and ipad games things like that they're very geared towards basically trying to put their hands in people's pockets to to make the game you know significantly easier and obviously more easy it wants you to you know to pay some money i think i'm going to name candy crush saga i don't know how many of you have played that
0: not yet. I'm scared.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I'm scared too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, you can play it and you play it and you can get really far and it really sucks you in. It's really addictive, um, like most of those kind of games are. All of a sudden, you realise you've only got X number of lives, and when those lives run out, you can either wait a day to get a life back, or you can buy them, which I think is very, very, te- um, it's it's a terrible way of doing it because you're forcing people to put their hand in their pocket to carry on playing once they got addicted to something now, you know, obviously I'd I'd want to be wary of stuff like that. But just to pick up on what you said, Fozor, about you said if somebody can get a module on their ship and then they can pay real money to upgrade it, then then that's not fair. That's the that's the attitude I have a bit of a problem with, because I'm thinking you're appealing to fairness, but that fairness doesn't exist in the real world. Why should you expect it in the game world? It just it doesn't make any sense. You know there's certain things that I think that if people want to pay for then then go for it because all it's going to do is put them in a big ship with no skill I'm with Darren sure that um if the elite rank is a sign of skill, then it has to be skill you know it has to be got with skill. We don't live in a meritocracy in the real world um everything is bought with money, and money buys money so
0: so take for example, what we were just saying. If you could actually pay for, say, increased shield modules, and we all remember back to the, you know, the original game with the Panther Clipper where you could tank it up to such a degree that you were basically invulnerable. If you could do that sort of thing and throw the, throw the balance off completely. So even if you come up against a guy that's been playing for six months, he's got all of his fighting skills, you know, he's, he's very good at maneuvering, he's very good at shooting, targeting, everything else. But he comes across a player that's been in the game for two weeks who's literally just put in say £100, £150, and just bought all these shield modules that makes him next to invulnerable, and then he destroys you. Do you think that that level of balance would be considered unfair?
2: Well, I mean, if you're talking about in terms of unfair that one person was born into privilege and therefore they were able to you know, afford a better ship straight off, whereas someone had to work for it, then yeah, I recognise that is unfair. Do I think that... that that should be artificially eliminated from the game? No, not necessarily.
0: But do you think it actually adds anything to the game? Uh, Realism. And do we play games for their realism or do we play games for their escapism?
2: Well, it it depends on what the feature is, doesn't it? I mean, there's obviously um, there's been talk about how there's certain features that definitely won't be in the game because although it would make the game more realistic, it would make it boring to play or tedious to play. Yeah, I'm against that. I'm against getting rid of fun. Um, But I think people need to get over their hang ups about what is and what isn't fair, because these I don't see these people on the street corner on the weekend asking, you know, begging with people next time vote the Communist Party because they're not doing it. In fact, I know, actually, no, I will say this. I think people that want elites to be like this real fair game like communists where nobody, you know, it's all merit. Those people are very selfish because in real life they don't do that. They only do it when it's affecting them in game so anybody yeah unless you were out um what was the one where they were camping in the tents outside of saint paul's cathedral
3: occupy
2: yeah unless you were part of occupy you don't get to use that argument
3: there you go <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is it is a game sure and you isolate all week for the man and then at the end of a week i like to can say right how about a bit of escapism play the game but not have to worry about the fact that this person's just come along who live a life of privilege outside with servants and stuff, who brings himself like, his tea on a silver platter, and then he kind of just loads up his super PC and plays a game which he's just bought himself into the upper echelons, whereas you've just had to work for it. I don't play the game just to have a carbon copy of real life. It's supposed to give you the escapism of being in the upper echelons because you've got there of your time you've effort you put into the game
2: so Graham you you won't be playing the Federation then
3: uh, I'll be playing uh, well probably imp because that's what I played in the um, first encounters
4: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Darren, what about you sir? The thing is in games we have the ability to create systems which can be fair, and most games are created fair chess and such you know culturally we have these things that we enshrine as fair games and in particular, as a commercial game, Frontier have to make elite Dangerous appeal. And if it's seen amongst everyone that this is an unfair game, and people do have this very strong opinion about this, people won't want to play it, especially in the whole player-versus-player player world. If it's seen that it's only those who have the most real-life money in the player-versus-player, player, then no one will want to play that. They will keep away from it, and it will drastically lose popularity think from a image point of view from a sort of marketing sales point of view it would be disastrous if if Elite Dangerous has pay to win mechanics. Okay Alien what about you?
5: Well I have a concern that they don't put in the ability for you to turn in-game credits into real world money. I know there are some online games out there that you can do that. I do believe Diablo 2 you were able to sell in-game credits items like weapons for example and get a real world income from that. I don't want to see that happen with Elite Dangerous because you'll have people either genuinely playing 24-7 for a, an income or you'll have them creating a bot to play for them to create an income and I, I, it's one thing I really don't want to happen with Elite Dangerous.
0: No, I think that raises a very, very good point, Adrian. Again, not to uh, keep on harping back to it, but EVE Online had a, a big problem where you could actually go onto some you know, rather shady websites and buy yourself a mining bot that you literally just installed alongside the game client and it would basically macro all the keys required for you to send out your mining ship. Mine, come back, dump it off, go back out again. Mine, dump it off and come back again and even to the degree where if it recognised that there was another ship that appeared in the asteroid belt or appeared in the system it would automatically know that it was supposed to go straight back to the space station wait 10 minutes before going back again you know, that sort of level of automation just sort of allowed certain players to get a massive fortune and again it was without pointing fingers it was said that there was quite a lot of guilds that were doing this quite a lot of the um, you know, the, the big power brokers within the game were getting it because they were doing this sort of uh, real-world trading through the macros and through the mining bots and then being able to afford to buy themselves the bigger ships, the Dreadnought ships, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, any game, any, any decision that Frontier development makes that allows that sort of real-world trading and miners, gold miners to come into the game, I think is going to be a detriment to the actual franchise. Um, Darren?
4: It is worth noting that Frontier have already set the tone for this with the Kickstarter. They've included these advanced higher-tier rewards where you pay extra money in the Kickstarter... And I think you can still pay for these and it gives you more starting options. They will keep this going into the game. So you already have this pay to get ahead a little bit in the game. It's already there. Uh, so although I have objections to this sort of thing, I do think it is worth thinking about how this can be done well, such as maybe not pay for credits, but pay for having a premium account so that you get access to more trade options or there's certain areas that you can only get access to if you pay for a sort of temporary gold membership or something like that, extra quests for people to pay for them, that sort of thing. Not necessarily giving them a step ahead, but giving them more options.
0: That's an interesting idea. I mean, haven't we all pretty much um, given ourselves the leg up by joining the Kickstarter and becoming part of the elite foundation members? I mean, we're all talking about how, you know, paying shouldn't get you elite status, but aren't we all backers from the Kickstarter already part of that elite foundation? graham
3: uh similar to what um Dan was saying rather, uh, regarding kind of being started already via the kickstarter but while the starting position isn't too bad it's not like you're buying a top of range ship with military lasers and energy bombs and military equipment you're just getting a slightly better ship and in a different location with a few more credits that's not too bad it's when you if you can put like buy a pamphlet clip with 256 shields and then just ram everything to win that would be a bit stupid
0: okay alien
5: well i haven't heard fabled ddf godlike powers mentioned on the forum in quite a long time
0: uh, yes, this is something that was mentioned in the Kickstarter rather foolishly, I think, by Frontier Developments, that if you paid for DDF access, that you will be uh, you know, one of the godlike people within the within the development team, that you will have power and you'll have special privileges. Uh, I think how it's all leveled out is that the members of the DDF just get influence in terms of, obviously, the design decision discussions and seeing things ahead of time and having an influence with the designers in terms of pointing out areas where the designers may not have, have thought an idea through or just helped give a little bit of steerage. But yeah, the the godlike powers thing for the DDF I think uh fortunately died a death.
5: Wasn't that in-game though, Chris?
0: I think it was initially was, but as I say, I think it's died down and we haven't heard about it in a long time. And I don't think we're going to hear a a resurgence of the godlike powers within the game for the DDF players. I think it's literally just, you know, they will have influence in terms of steerage with the design decision stuff.
4: I don't think they ever said godlike powers within the game. The idea was just that you'd have Information that normal players wouldn't have access to.
0: Yeah. In the game or before the game's launched?
4: Uh, both. So, well, it's been made clear that DDF members will have ongoing information uh, about the game's state and uh, a say in certain decisions about how the game is run.
5: So they've paid for an advantage?
4: Well, the idea is it's not supposed to be an advantage for their characters in the game. It's supposed to more just help them feel more involved in the game essentially buying an extra game mode, you might say.
0: I think it's more to do with the fact that they will stay on board in terms of if, say, Frontier Development wants wants to inject certain things within the game. I mean, we talked about on the show in terms of things like supernovas and stuff like that. I would imagine the DDF members will probably get petitioned before they do anything major with the universe and just say, you know, we're thinking of doing this in a couple of months' time. What do you guys think about it? That's the sort of advance notice that the DDF will get as opposed to I guys were thinking of setting a brand new trade rope between Dizo and Lave. And, you know, you should all get in there and jump on it straight away. I don't think that's what they're talking about.
5: See, I'm OK with the way you have just put that.
0: From what I've seen in the DDF, I think that's how it's going to happen. But if that changes, then obviously we will make people aware of it. Grant, did you have a point?
6: Yeah, on that point as well, I don't think that's something the DDF would be able to agree on, Uh, what kind of advantages the DDF gets, judging by it. And I think um, Frontier may well have changed their mind given how long these uh, discussions in the DDF go on for. I think microtransactions would be another long and lengthy debate in the the DDF, which is probably why I've I've not seen it. I was thinking along the lines of... I mean, obviously the in-game items, um, customizations is the easiest way to do it without affecting the actual game and making people feel that they're getting uh, an advantage over them just because they have uh, better luck financially. But I was thinking along the lines of what about if you could buy some kind of title, um, whether you're in the Empire, you could subscribe to be uh, a citizen or uh, an enhanced citizen and maybe all it is is a sort of uh, bragging rights which has no bearing in the game whatsoever. I think you know, I do feel that yeah, okay, if you can afford something then yeah, maybe you should be able to buy an advantage but I don't. it doesn't sit right with me that someone can come in you know, and Certainly when we talk about all the, the griefing issues in PvP, if someone came in and they just chuck 50 quid into the game and suddenly they can go out there and cause major, major hassle for people and make them miserable and walk away without feeling it, and then you've got people who may be struggling to raise that kind of money and are fighting their way through the game, and then they bump into Mr. Joe Flash Cash and um, he uh, ruins the game for them, I think it's it's a definite very, very fine line, Obviously item customization, no not, not real no real argument. I don't like it because it's kind of money for nothing. Um, I, um if they just kept the Kickstarter open, um I'd be more than happy to donate and pledge for costs ongoing for no particular return just for the the love of the game. And I think we've all proved that we're up for that kind of system, so I think they should just do something that's not too advantage-giving um that just adds a bit more fun so maybe you know the likes of you could buy yourself some kind of bizarre title in the empire citizenship chains or in the the federal you could i don't know maybe you could buy slaves that'd be good
0: (laughs) well i think we know that you certainly can buy slaves in the imperial systems as that's already been alluded to okay well we'll leave that topic there i think there's actually quite a lot more that we could probably keep on going with. But uh, in the interest of keeping this podcast at a reasonable length, we'll move on to
7: the second topic.
4: Commanders, incoming transmissions. John Harper,
7: a.k.a. Thargoid. On microtransactions, my answer is no. I don't think that's going to add any value to the game. Another founding principle of Elite was that you had to earn the rank to get to Elite. You had to earn it. You couldn't just buy it. You had to work hard, work hard, struggle for years and years and years to finally get to that result Elite.
0: Okay, so for our second topic of the night, uh, when is a pirate not a griefer? And the role of player versus player in Elite Dangerous. So, the first elite universe game to be truly multiplayer experience, is this brave new universe going to be one of happy guilds and teamwork instances, or is this going to be a universe of forced solo play, of rage quitting masses who can no longer stand getting pirated and having their ass blown out from underneath them? Guys, what is your thoughts on the PvP encounters in the game? Do you have an itching to be a bounty hunter or a pirate, if so why? Uh, Do you think there's going to be any disparity between the old-time elite pilots versus the new Twitch generation? And who do you think would have the advantage? Uh, We'll go straight across to you, John.
2: Um, Yes, thank you. Thank you. I was going to say you can go to Alien first if you want, but um, I I don't have a prepared answer for this because I wanted to gauge people. Oh, you
0: haven't got a prepared answer? Oh, sod you then. (laughs) Alien, what do you think?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, not everyone. Is going to play as one friendly team there will be players who will attack other players it is going to happen and if you don't want to be attacked and who does then you need to find another game to play it may be that people will stop playing multiplayer and that is their choice but if they expect to never get attacked this isn't the game for them even in solo play, a non-player character will attack you sooner or later.
0: Wait, is that going to be the case? I mean, there is the option, obviously, of almost inflicting solo play on yourself, where you literally just go into the, the no-player groups, where you play against the, the non-player control. Do you see a lot of people doing that sort of thing, or do you think there will be you know, people that want to dip their toes in the, in the multiplayer, the PvP environment?
5: I think it'll balance out sooner or later. It might swing up and down a bit. But I think it'll balance out sooner or later.
0: Okay, Darren, what's your thoughts?
4: For me personally, I don't particularly want to be playing against other players uh, because I've had experiences with online games and other players mean other people, which means dickheads on the internet, uh, which there's far too many of. I played a fair bit of Guild Wars and that was nice in that you could play it solo if you wanted and it was quite and you still felt like you were in a multiplayer world whenever you visited towns you would see other players and things but when you are out actually questing and things like that it was just you other players couldn't influence your game so I'm looking forward to having this whole multiplayer connected universe where training and events and all these sorts of things are kind of linked in with what other players are doing but my own actions are just sort of what I want to do myself I'm not having to worry about griefers and all this sort of nonsense okay Grant
6: I think the, the the definition of griefer is um, when they beat me
4: <laughs> So up
0: until that point they're a pirate and they're perfectly fair game Until they blow you your ass out from underneath you, then they're a griefer, is that right? Until my escape pod is looking awfully attractive,
6: then they are fair game Yes, they're just another nice player, but the minute I'm in that escape pod floating towards the station They're a blooming well of a griefer Um <laughs> I am absolutely so tired of the whole PvP, PvE argument. It's gone on for so long and it just goes round and round in circles. And I think, you know, it does come down to the the, the PvE group um, who want to have their own particular group of um, non-player versus player, their own instance, their own world. I don't see that being... A problem. Um, it will keep them happy, and it just means that people in the all group server are going to be people that want to be there, that are willing to take the risk for the fun of it. and And I think not having that element of danger kind of makes it elite nambi pambi
0: rather than elite dangerous. <laughs> okay, so Graham, elite nambi pambi.
3: uh yes, I I think that people will naturally form guilds and kind loose alliances. My view is, if you don't want to get into fights, then don't go to the outer systems where there are likely to be people who want to kill the other players in the anarchy systems. There shouldn't be this whole system where you can just opt out if you want or just play with your mates and stuff. It's supposed to be a multi-online game, so make everybody online. If you don't want to fight, then don't go to systems which are going to be heavily trafficked by griefers and people who want to have fights to stick to the core systems. If you want to have a bit of kite excitement, you can go find it yourself. You don't have to look too hard. And this whole PvE, PvP has been going on far too long. It seems to be one of the current themes on the forums is to, if somebody has a different view to you, repeat your own view until the other person gives up. So, but yes. Because you say, what, what, what do you think on PvP? Well, there will be people who, get first time they install the game, they'll take off from Lave, go to... Um, was it Ridquot? That was um, Anarchy in the original Ridquot, game?
0: yeah.
3: Yeah, go to Ridquot, then get their arse handed to them by somebody with a military laser because they've only got the one megawatt pulse laser to begin with and no shields. So you're going to have to start in the core systems, build up enough cash so you can buy the decent ship before you can start bounty hunting and the other stuff because there's no point in becoming a bounty hunter if you haven't got the equipment to go bounty hunting with, because the people you'd be hunting will be the people who were killing the crap players at the start who'd gone off and um, got themselves into, into trouble in, in the first place.
0: That's an interesting idea, the idea that you know, you're, you're almost restricted as to how much PvP you can get into by how much equipment you can have on your ship. So until you've actually done your PvE to accrue enough finances to actually kit out a ship that's PvP-capable, then you don't get into it. That's an interesting one. And certainly again, not to half onto EVE Online, but Eve Online had a almost like a two three tier system where you had the, the core systems, which were very heavily policed by the game themselves, so if you attacked anyone within the core system, their police force equivalent would literally instantly warp in and, you know, en masse to blow up your ship. Then you had the sort of the outer regions which were you know, to some extent still police, but not really. And that's where most of the pirates hung out. And then you had deep space where, again, it was like an anarchy system where it was mainly just the corporations that policed that themselves. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think how the frontier developments are going to work it. John, what's your thoughts?
2: Well, I think Grant hit on this thing that um, the term griefer is, is subjective uh, and it kind of varies across games. And just going back to what Darren said, you know, he was playing a particular game and the term Griefer would probably be slightly different there in so much that it was a game about questing and maybe working together and that fighting other players or just strangers that you come across wouldn't necessarily be part of the course. What Grant's talking about is a lot of people would describe you know, the actual definition of griefer uh, as somebody that kills them and they're not very happy or kills them in a horrible way because they were so much more powerful or something ridiculous like that. For me, if, if we're going to use any useful definition, it has to be somebody who's intentionally trying to make your game experience miserable. Um, and, and I got to use a strict definition there because otherwise if we get, you get these horrible to and fro arguments where you find out one person is thinks that a griefer is just someone who's more powerful comes along and kills you. Now, talking about what Graham said, if you're in a tiny poxy little fighter and you fly into um, my system and it's an anarchy system and I know I can kill you with one shot my laser, I might not get much out of it apart from scooping whatever's left of your hull but I'm just going to do it. And is that griefing? (laughs) And if he comes back to the same system and I see him again, it takes the same amount of effort to do it again. And I will do it. And it's not because I want to make his life miserable. It's just because I can do it. And so is that griefing? No, it's not. It's part of the game. So, yeah, carry on. Alien.
5: Well, if I wanted to be a pirate and I found a sweet spot to pirate traders... Do you not think I would keep going back to that spot time and time and time again? I'm not sure at what point that Fronted decide that someone constantly going back to the same spot to attack ships to be a pirate is actually griefing them.
4: Okay, Darren? I think this is something that Frontier are going to have to see how it works out in games in alpha stage. Uh, It's going to be an evolving thing that they are going to have to keep rebalancing to make sure players are happy with this. If you play on PvP, then you expect what's coming for you. But for me, personally, what I really don't want, and I can really see this happening, is players ganging up in groups. You get pirate gangs, and it's impossible to go to certain systems on your own without 20 people instantly on your ass firing lasers at you. So we're going to end up in this system where certain areas you can only go if you're part of a big guild and you've got 20 other people with you, and that becomes very boring. It takes away that sense of you know the lone trader in elite, able to go off to different systems and, and little trade routes, or you know that sort of lone pilot experience. And that's what I want to have in this game. That's why I don't want to have, get involved in this PvP experience. So I'm quite happy sticking to the PvE and letting the PvP get together apart.
0: Okay, Darren. Before I bring anybody else in on that point, just thinking here myself. If you're, as you're suggesting, that there is uh, groups of pirates that go around the system, is that not a an opportunity for Frontier Developments to have a new class of ship? Think of it as a, uh, a blockade runner type of ship, something that's very small, very fast, something that can get through a group of pirates without getting caught and therefore actually expanding the game universe. So if there is going to be this thing that you say where pirates will just gang up in, in certain systems, is there not a way of getting around that and actually adding to the game?
4: Well... Frontier has said there will be stealth in the game in some form, so that could tie in with what you're saying about a fast ship. Uh, There could be ways of trying to get around them using these different techniques. Uh, I'd worry that would end up in just an arms race. You get the stealth technology, they get the advanced scanners, you get the fast ship. Okay, Grant?
6: Yeah, I was going to go back to um, Alien's point about these places where you would go back basically ship fishing and um, easy prey fishing uh, as a pirate. And I think the the bounty hunter um, developments are definitely going to have a factor in that when you'll find that if you keep going back to that same spot, not only are you going to face uh, an onslaught of well-kitted out advanced player bounty hunters, but they're also alluding to the... Well, the potential inclusion of an NPC bounty hunter. So you might think it's a nice little place, but you keep hanging around there. You keep taking out the odd pilots. And um, all of a sudden the next group that comes in is a huge, massive bounty hunter who's going to quite easily dispatch you. Um, And I think when you're talking about the organised groups, there really isn't much you can do about that. That's um, people that can and often do create their own little... um, Skype channels and sit and talk while they play the game and they coordinate very efficiently. That shouldn't be dissuaded, but there should be an in-game method for dealing with that, whether that be groups of bounty hunters then going after them. So it seems to be that already we have in Elite the fundamentals of a paper, rock, scissors, so that no one field uh, or one job role can become so strong that there isn't another one that can't rise up and kick his ass um so i think that's quite good it's only the poor traders that
0: will suffer in the end okay graham what's your thoughts on it all
3: well to go back to the point regarding the pirates infestations so you get 32 pirates attacking as soon as you enter the system well that was brought up in one of the threads and i think it was ashley who says if that happens then a, they'll send an imperial frigate in, because my point was, well, I just um, switch out of my little pirate ship and tool up in a um, kind of Panther clip with a uh, plasma accelerator on the front uh, and attack it just for a laugh. So if you, if some, if a group of players do pick it a system, then the game will try and balance it out. Um, it'll probably be done automatically, but. I would like to see what the pirates do when a super frigate would turn up. Just don't want to be in its firing line. John.
2: Yeah, I, I was going to say well, there's a couple of things. Now I'm going back to this whole idea of you know a bunch of a bunch of players all being in one place and then you know taking advantage of you know the lone guy who comes along. And I think, it to be fair, it was our own very own Alan Stroud who pointed out that maybe it's not the best thing to try and get involved as a developer, but actually incentivizing other players to actually police this kind of behavior. And as has just been said, why not just encourage the bounty hunters, a bigger group of bounty hunters, to turn up and take care of it? What I'm saying is, you know, don't invent some kind of terrible game mechanic which is going to cause collateral damage on other kind of players just encourage other players to go against it. So, okay, so you have a big fat pirate who's causing trouble shooting off little ships as they enter the system, okay? All it's going to take is one of those ships to then message back to, you know, one of their friends or for the bounty on that guy to have got so high. There's going to be a bounty hunter along sooner or later to take care of him. And the same will go for a bigger group. Uh, and what what's happening is, People just keep on inventing more and more elaborate scenarios where they try and make out that this is going to be a really unfair situation. whereas And they kind of do a massive disservice to the other side of the gaming community who are actually in the opposite roles, who will be very interested in taking care of that situation because it furthers their goals.
0: Okay, well, I think you raise an interesting point. I think it obviously depends on how long a ship can survive in combat, because your idea about sending a communication out to open space, <laughs> similar to the one that you had in Frontier, oh, help, my ship's under attack, or oh, help, my ship has broken down. Well, the thing Obviously is, players, Frontier... sorry,
2: players don't really die, do they? So there's nothing stopping them when they respawn on a space station from contacting a friend saying, hey, there's some dude in Rid- Ridquart causing trouble.
0: So you'd rather have that as opposed to, you know, make the ship survive long enough so that if you are in trouble, you can send out communication that has the... It has the chance of being answered by some local bounty hunters.
2: Yeah, I think that would be more. You know, it could be a game mechanic that could bring along NPC support, maybe. But I'm possibly. It's not a bad shout. I I would go with you know players working together, in the long term. You know, over maybe several incidents, all of a sudden realizing there's a problem going on, and then a reaction.
0: Okay, so something a little bit more calculated, a little bit more sort of planned, then. Okay. What about the idea that obviously the people that are mainly talking about this game at the moment are you know the older generation, the people that played the original game, played the Frontier, First Encounters, and Frontier. The new game is obviously going to be a whole new generation. If it's picked up by the by the current generation, they're much more used to sort of first person shooters or you know your wing commanders. Or do you think that that generation is going to clash with you know the old the old guard with the lead? And do you think they're going to have any particular advantage or disadvantage against it start with darren uh
4: it just comes down to whether you have the time to get the technical mastery of these games and I, I would say actually a lot of those old games were much harder than a lot of modern games but that could just be me uh, my rose tinted glasses saying these games these days ugh. but there will be a problem i think in that generally younger players have more time on their hands and with more time you get better at the game. You not only get to sink in the resources to, you know, build up the credits, build up the better ships, but you also have more time to actually play it and become a master of the controls in the game. I think some of us with our busy lives probably aren't going to be so good, but at the same time, I don't think there's going to be a generational gap because there's still plenty of older games, older gamers that will play it a lot and younger gamers that won't play it that much. And the average age of a gamer, has come up immensely. I think it's the mid-30s these days, is the average age yeah. of a, a World of Warcraft player. And I think we will see a widespread of people playing Elite Dangerous. There will not be a clear generational difference between any of them, really. I think some of the sort of, uh, late teens, early 20s people will probably, well, I'm just remembering when I was that age, I had more time for games and thus was much better than I had time for. And I think there will probably be a bit of that but it won't be that obvious. Okay, Alien.
5: Well, I can only talk about me compared to a younger generation because I don't know how other people would be. But I know my reactions as I've got older have slowed down a bit. So I I think the younger generation will, will just thrash us with, with the, their reaction times they've had practice with things like call of duty and that with reaction time. So I haven't been playing any of that. I've been playing boring management games like rollercoaster <laughs> tycoon three. So, um,
0: okay. I think you have to back up there. Aileen. you didn't just refer to rollercoaster tycoon three as a, as a boring management game. Did you? Uh,
5: no, I referred to rollercoaster tycoon three as a management game.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, there's certainly a propensity amongst our sort of generation to be playing the you know, the XCOM, the Civilization Fives, the Sim Cities. You know, I must admit I I haven't been on my PlayStation three for quite some time and I can't remember the last time I played a first person shooter on a console. But, you know, are these really gonna be the people that we're gonna be meeting in a League Dangerous? Uh, Grant?
6: So you're asking if it's going to be, let's all meet up at that station for a little tea party.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah.
6: No, I think we're all as cut through. I mean, I think even when you listen to the likes of John talking about his his attitude to the Dominion and being able to buy your own advantage just to crush other players. Nope, it sounds like we're all bloodthirsty and we've just been waiting for this game to come back so that we can exact our revenge on our our youth. (laughs) you know how to fly this, take that. I know how to get the missile buttons configured so that uh, we can beat you while you're learning how to play this game. But no, I think it's just going to be fun. And um, it'll be as exciting as we all want I just can't see that um, the older generation are going to struggle any more than the new people to, or any less, I think we'll all take to
0: it like ducks to water Well I mean it's an interesting point because Graham, didn't I read somewhere that you were actually in the PC Zone multiplayer national finals and came, came fourth and in the Wipeout finals as well
3: Yes and I was also in the um, Need for Speed Challenge and uh, won that as well so yes, I, I am used to be a, an avid games player, um, but recently I don't really play anything more strenuous than um, Bejeweled. Uh, not because oh, my dear, not because my PC can't take it. I've, I've got a um, all singing all dancing Lappy here, but it's just that I don't really have the time to sit down and play a game for hours on end to get good at it. I've got far too many time sinks in the real world. I'm supposed to be um, fixing my sister-in-law's computer, uh, and other stuff, so it's time more than anything else, but well, I'm thinking of uh, booking a holiday off when the uh, alpha is released, but as for who we win, I think the Twitchers will have the advantage to begin with, but just because you can spin on a dime in um, uh, modern war- co- warfare combat 8, whatever it is, is the current one, doesn't mean you can't spin on a diamond um, elite and instantly train a laser on somebody who's like 10 kilometres away. It's uh, it's going to be slightly different. True skill will win out in the end, i.e. me.
7: Graeme,
0: you raised an interesting point there. Maybe we were looking at this in the wrong way. We're obviously referring to ourselves as older people with bad reactions versus the, the younger Twitch generation, but what you hit on there is the fact that yeah because of the time constraints that we've got on our lives, obviously we're at a certain point within our career paths, we don't have the same sort of time as I had when I was at university to sink into a game. So you think that maybe instead of sort of referring to them as as a Twitch generation, it's more about the generation that has the time to play these things and acquire the skill levels on them.
3: Yes, that is true. But one thing we do have, which they don't, is kind of, more disposable income, and therefore we can buy the better equipment.
0: <laughs> so oh,
3: I, no. <laughs> I'm planning on buying myself one of those all singing, all dancing, Hota-style um, throttle controls with all the cooly hats, and I will kind of, get good at the game, and I will <laughs> kind of, make sure that even though kind of, I'm slightly older than the average player, my kill rate is going to be slightly better than
0: theirs. So, John, what about you?
2: Okay, I just wanted to pick up on what these guys said. And I think that they've almost got to what I wanted to say, which was that I kind of feel sorry for most of the backers because most of the backers are people like us, people who don't have a lot of times on their hands. And if we do get all these young people in, which we do want because we want to see this game, you know, uh, succeed, um, and they're going to have a lot more time on their hands, then are we going to get outplayed? You know, are we going to get frustrated? By all those griefers, all those uh, young people. It's, it's going to be fun.
0: Okay, Darren. Uh,
4: but I think one big difference you'll see between us old timers and the new players is that you will end up with a lot of old timers trying to do the old thing of docking manually and dying horribly. Whilst the new players will just fly into the station with the autopilot, wondering what the hell are these old people doing? What's wrong with them? They're all crashing inside <laughs> the station. What, what the hell are they doing?
0: <laughs> okay alien what do you have to add
5: well i want to go back to what graham just said about disposable income when frontier let us have capital ships you can guarantee i'm going to get my hands on a capital ship as quick as possible even if it means spending real money to get it
0: ouchie i can't imagine what the real uh world cost of a of an imperial cruiser is going to be but I mean I suppose there's an argument there that you know if you have a look at the the size of the the anaconda I mean that might not be a capital ship but it might be the sort of ship that would give you a little bit of safety and would be something that potentially you could invest money in to get there a little bit sooner. Has anybody got any other points to bring up on Grant?
6: Yeah, I was just thinking that you know you're talking about all the the backers and we've all got our, our founders tags. We don't we're not going to need these things to identify us because we're going to be the saddles all huddled in our ships at these beautiful sites and thinking, "Wow, look at that. Look at that supernova." And uh, the likes of that. Which will make it really really easy for the younger people to just sneak up behind and blast us out
3: of the skies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Grave.
3: Uh actually my point has just been uh, lost. Sorry.
0: Well, maybe if you reiterate it, yours might be better and I just might edit his out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, <so> that's okay. <laughs> I mean,
0: okay, do we think, therefore, that it's going to encourage people to just play the solo game? We're obviously talking about, you know, us old farts, we don't really want to compete with the youngsters, we you know, we just want our particular game. Do you think, therefore, that you know, the whole multiplayer aspect of it is going to be... underutilized do you think most of us are just going to play with either our friends that we know aren't going to kill us or just go for the the single solo play john
2: um yeah i'm just going to jump in and i'm going to say look after all we've said and i did say that maybe as oldies might struggle against the new players with lots of um, time on their hands as darren said we're going to be looking at the game from a different angle Uh, you know we remember the beauty of the, the previous games and what they could do for us that's what we're going to be getting out of it it's not all going to be about the you know how quick can you kill somebody because there's going to be a lot more to it not simply because of what it's replicating previously but because of what they've promised us now i mean exploration is taking on a whole new meaning within the game um trading is going to become something even more impressive than simply just trading one commodity to, to another and also piracy and and, smuggling and, and bounty hunting, everything, there's so much more to everything, and we're all going to be so busy taking it in, okay, so the kids might annoy us to start with, you know, laughing at us outside the space stations as we crash into a wall, but I think there's still room for a lot of fun for us.
0: Darren?
4: I think that if the game is successful, then we will be vastly outnumbered If you look at the, the sort of populations that other online games have, then the number of Kickstarter backers that Frontier has is going to be Pretty minuscule, really. So, uh, I mean this in a positive way, but we'll be lost within the noise. We'll be fully integrated within this wider community. There won't be in an us and them. There will just be one big community because there isn't enough of us that, for there to be in us. We will just all be elitists or eliters, or I don't know what you call us. We need to come up with a name for ourselves, but yeah.
0: Yeah, we just call ourselves the founders. But yeah, you're right. I mean, 35,000. It begs the question what you think the final scope of this game is going to be. I mean, do we expect it to sell in the hundreds of thousands, a million copies?
4: I think they have to sell a million. I think for it to really be a proper commercial success, it's got to get a million. If you look at other MMOs, um, other MMOs have, I think World of Warcraft has something like 15 million regular subscribers, or did at one point anyway. Other MMOs have certainly had on the orders of millions to be considered successful, and definitely we should be looking at something like that.
2: Darren, I think the World of Warcraft estimates have always been slightly over exaggerated because they talk in terms of accounts. Um, but yeah, I agree that if it's going to be a successful game, you're looking at a million plus. You know, I would hope that they can create a game good enough to, to capture two million players. You know, it's not beyond the stretch of the imagination Um, they should be able to do that and if they can then that means a successful game that can hopefully continue into the future if they don't, you know, and I suppose this goes back to the whole thing is, you know a lot of the naysayers are saying are they just trading on nostalgia and that once this game is finished are they just going to be left with these same number of backers, meaning that there's probably no money in the pot for expansion um, you know, the ongoing updates and expansions I don't know. I mean, personally, just looking at their ideas, I can't see how, how it won't appeal to a large number of people. we just got to sell the youth of today on space sims, something that has gone out of fashion.
0: Well, you say that, but obviously there is the EVE Online model. And the, if I remember correctly, the, the regular sort of login, for when you logged in, obviously because it's much easier to see because it's a single server. The number of people playing EVE Online at any one sort of time during the busy period is around about thirty-five to 45,000. Obviously, they've got about 200 to, I think, 500,000 people subscribed. But again, that's the same as World of Warcraft. You know, that's accounts. If you have a look at that, at any one time, they can have 35 to 40,000, 45,000 people playing uh, on a single server. That's kind of the numbers that backed the original Kickstarter. So do you really expect to see more people than that playing at any one time?
2: I would hope so. I mean, I think Eve EVE was limited by hardware originally, I believe. You know, they had a server which I think supported a maximum of 64,000. And it's only as technologies moved on, they've been able to accommodate more comfortably. Um, whereas World of Warcraft, everything was done on instances. Um, sorry, not instances. It was done on um, realms, which is basically just servers. And so they were able to replicate their success over different continents. Um, so I think that it's comparing apples to oranges. Now, the way that the technology works with elite dangerous apparently they should be able to support world of warcraft numbers but without having to shell out for dedicated servers because it is going to be based on peer-to-peer technology if they can replicate world of warcraft success it would go down as the greatest game in history in terms of success and you know most profitability without a doubt if it's more successful than eve that in itself would be an achievement because eve has a very very um Uh, loyal fan base it's a very hardcore game just like the call of duties they're very hardcore games and so people will play them for a long period of time um, and there will be a lot of them but they're not appealing on a larger scale like world of warcraft is
0: darren what are your thoughts
4: well regarding that i mean it's still just a few thousand kickstarter backers all they need is a very small number of sales compared to most PC hit to completely outdo the Kickstarter success. You look at Guild Wars, for instance; it sold uh, 6.5 million. And that uses a, a similar thing of it, you pay once up front and there's no subscription fees. But then they have a few microtransactions for cosmetic items. And that ran very well. So this can definitely work. Financially, it can definitely work. But they, they do need to get that initial success. And it's hard to compare it really to other MMOs because we, we see the successful MMOs, but there are so many failed online games. There's so, so many failed. We know of World of Warcraft, of Guild Wars, of EVE Online. Beyond those three, there's actually not that many successful MMOs. And a lot of companies have lost a lot of money trying to set up MMOs before millions of pounds sunk into different projects, and they've all failed badly, really badly. So uh, if they don't get the the numbers, then they could be in trouble. But um, I presume they're being smart about it. And you know, we've seen that they are cautious about overpromising, which is you know one area where a lot of games go wrong is overpromising. They are cautious about saying no planetary landings initially, and things like that. So. We do kind of have to trust them on having better knowledge than us here. Okay, John.
2: Yeah, I think Darren makes a good point there about, you know, the big games, the big money makers. You know, they were either the first to do something successfully or they've got some kind of niche market. Now, World of Warcraft was the one that did it, the be- you know, the first, the best. Um, it hooked in a lot of players. Um, and then a lot of people tried to replicate its model. But as somebody said, you know, you're forking out, you know, nine, ten, twelve pounds a month. You're only going to play one of those games, um, and so you'd stick with your World of Warcraft. You're invested in it already, um, and so a lot of people that tried to replicate it failed. Um, you know, where people have been able to have a success, it's been niche market. Eve Online, as I said, it's very niche. It's very hardcore. Um, so if Elite want to Um, have any kind of success yes it depends slightly on the business model but it also depends on being unique enough, offering players something um, that's good enough to drag them away from other time uh, sinks you know, other MMOs and things like that and although they've said that this is not an MMO, in a way the way they've described it, how can you say it's anything but an MMO
4: Commanders incoming transmissions Simon Wynard AKA, this theory 69,
7: the problem I have with all the player-to-player, player-versus-environment, player-versus-anybody, really, is the fact that this elite was meant to be a completely multiplayer experience. People who are just asking for player-versus-environment to play on their own, well, it looked like that option was already there when you put yourself into a private group. These people who want player-versus-environment could also just put themselves on in a private group and apply this environment and have them as some sort of clan. my feelings for player versus player though i want this game i'd like to be in the all player group and have a massive multiplayer online sort of experience but the way i've read things is that's not what it's going to be you're going to have instances where the maximum number of players in an instance may be 32 maybe 64 players which is good enough for me or it's good enough for anybody else and i think a lot of the talk has been because on um, clay versus everybody you think that people are going to grieve all the time now the way i've read it it looks like there's going to be a huge police presence in the inner system, and some of these ships look so big that you could buy the biggest ship in the fleet and still have a hard time griefing people with that amount of police presence around because they're just going to shoot you up Those are my views on the subject.
4: John Harper, a.k.a. Thargoid.
7: PvP, I think, does need to be an elite. The founding principle of elite is freedom to do what you want. And although it's not in the spirit of MMOs, in my opinion, I still think that the option needs to be there because elite is about choosing the path that you want to go down, not what the game designers have decided you can and cannot do. So I think PvP needs to be in there. Hopefully... Not many people go down that road and hopefully those that do get smashed by everyone else real quickly.
1: Dave Hughes, a.k.a. Silly Zen. PvP is the issue I've kind of stayed away from on the forum, especially because it's a very, very heated conversation, which I don't think are really going to have a middle ground. There's going to be so many different demographics, I suppose is the right word, of people on the game. I'm not a big MMORPG fan because the games that i've played which include everquest eve online anarchy online and dark age of camelot have all had the same problem basically um different demographics of people on there want different things from the game um and the majority of the people on everquest that i found on eve online actually tended to be the the younger crowd who wanted to prove that they were the best at the game and so on so pvp in elite dangerous i think it should be there um, because i think in a realistic universe as it were players would be out there to um, get in your face if you do something wrong or if you're on the opposite side of something from them. And it's only fair that they get the chance to do that. I think the punishment system, our criminal system, that Frontier are developing for the game, are going to help that in some way uh, because people that are going to get punished for something or going to lose their ship or lose some points or end up being bounty hunted are maybe going to think twice before they do something that's going to turn the forces of the law against them, in game at least, but um, it's a difficult argument to take one side of. Um, PV environment I think would be a bit too limiting for the game. So I think there should be an element of PvP in there. The group system and the permissions and friends system that people are using should be enough to try and sort that out, I think. So, in summary, PvP is something I think should be there because it's an important part of this sort of game. Your universe is there to be interacted with. It's a bit more realistic. You've got the chance out there to, if somebody really doesn't like you on the forum, then you've got a chance to hammer it out in the game if you want, I suppose. The other end of that is the griefers. If the grouping system that Frontier have developed for it um, and the punishment system and so on can't manage it properly, then obviously it may need to get looked at in a future update. But I think it should be there. I just think it's going to be up to the players to have a bit of maturity about their gameplay.
0: Okay, well, I think that's going to do it for that particular topic. All that's left for me to do is to thank you all for turning up and discussing these points with us. Uh, Graham, have you got anything that you want to shout out, sir?
3: Yes, to my brother, who's probably going to be listening to this. Uh, I bought him a DDF membership as his Christmas present, and he still hasn't even bothered creating a um, forum person and logged in yet. So that was waste, wasn't
0: it? And You bought your brother a DDF access? Yes, and he hasn't even my used lord, it. My lord, your brother is a very lucky, lucky man.
3: You should have given it to me.
2: I'd have I'd have appreciated it. I'd have bought you a drink at Lavecon at least.
3: So anyway, going to be in on the um, Alpha... So the first thing I'm going to do on the Alpha is find him and kill him repeatedly. So I'm, I I will become a griefer. Yeah, personally. I was going to say that
2: sounds like griefing behaviour.
3: Just just because just it's my brother, because I can. Because he always said, oh, I'm a better pilot than you. I'd kill you in Elite if you could pay each other. And now we're going to get the chance. We'll find out.
0: Perfect. OK, Darren, I have a feeling I know what you're going to shout out.
4: Well, I just wanted to shout out to uh, any backers of the Tales from the Frontier book that. We have a new website at elite-anthology.co.uk. Also, if you're coming to LaveCon, I will buy any Elite Anthology backers a drink. uh, Lavian Brandy or whatever else they have serving. So yes, do make yourself known to me at LaveCon if if you're one of our backers.
0: That's fantastic news, Darren, because uh, I'm one of your backers, so the first drink you're going to buy is me. Uh, So, Alien, (laughs) what about you? Have you got anything you'd like to shout out?
5: No, not really. Only LaveCon, but... I think you've done that enough already. <laughs>
0: Grant, what about you, mate?
6: Nope, n- nothing to shout at all. I did have something, but it completely gone out of my head. Um, but basically, just to let everybody know that it looks like my car is full.
0: Right, so no more uh, room in the fun bus from Grant to get from Glasgow down to Cheltenham on the 29th of June for the official Lave gone 2013 convention. John, anything you'd like to add?
2: Yeah, actually, and I'm just going to say it now, hoping this is going to be edited quickly. And that is that if you haven't listened to the latest writer's interview from Lave Radio, which features Darren Gray, of all people, uh-huh. actually listen to it. It's worth listening to. It's a very good interview. So that is my shout out.
0: Okay. So that's it for this episode. Thanks to John, Graham, Darren, Grant, and Alien. Thanks to those who sent in submissions for the show, John, Dave, and Simon. If you want to get in touch with the show, or if you'd like to be on a future episode, contact us at info at You can leave us a voice message on Skype. Lave.radio is our Skype handle. At Lave Radio on Twitter, and finally, you can search Lave Radio on Facebook. Right, we're going to close the doors of the Sanctum and catch you next episode.
4: Hello, I'm, John, I'm one of those ontology robots that I to on from place very quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, stop there. Is that really bad for everybody else?
4: Yeah, you broke up for me. I think that's doing girlfriend in shower. Shit.
0: What? Wi-Fi. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> All I got there was eek at, eek at girlfriend in shower.
2: I'm wondering what kind of a shower
4: uses up Wi-Fi. <laughs> Showers uh, block Wi-Fi. Running water block Wi-Fi. What, if you're what? in it? Really? Well, if you are in it, that, that's what me. If the roof is on the other side of the shower, oh. sure, am I any better now? I've just repositioned. Um, a bit better, yeah.
0: <laughs> a bit, but still not great, mate. I tell you what, how long is she going to be in the shower for? Should we come back to you uh, at the end? <laughs> right, okay, we're going to go straight on to the, uh, the first of the main topics, which is monetizing the universe and micro-attractions. Micro-attractions. <laughs> that's an interesting idea, John. Sorry, I'll unmute myself. Um, <laughs> I... Okay. Grant. Didn't have anything else to say. No. Alien. <laughs> 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 okay, guys, everybody. Hello. Hello. Oh, sorry. When I said unmute there, I actually muted myself. What a dunce. <laughs> um... <laughs> nice one. Uh, if people need to go to the toilets, the next section is going to be about the same sort of time. It's going to be about you know half an hour, 40 minutes.
5: Well,
2: I'm going to stay here because I've got a catheter.
6: <laughs> I've just got wet
0: pants.
2: And, and, oh, that was very unprofessional of me.
0: Oh, John, 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 really? <laughs> sorry, that's my phone.
3: Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 um no nah, it was just uh about the it's like if it, i i i want to co- um you're just saying about the um oh i've lost I'm Trying train of thought now shit
4: am i being unintelligible again
5: oh no